Yo, 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 guys, what is up? Welcome back to another episode of Marijuana Say Weekly. And today, Dean and I are going to be showing you a little bit of the differences between autoflowers and photoperiodic seeds um, and plants, uh, cannabis plants. So we get obviously asked on the daily and uh, Dean obviously gets uh, gives out a lot of the answers on it. Uh, how many times a day? <laughs> <laughs> Couple. And it's a, and I mean, on the online, it's also something that's mm. searched quite heavily. There seems to be a, you know, a, still a deficit of information within South Africa as to what the difference is. Mm. So even though this is something we've spoken about before, we thought it'd be cool to revisit the topic and just have a look at what the actual differences are between photoperiodic cannabis seeds and autoflowering cannabis seeds. We did take some, we stole some uh, images just off the web and uh, the, I think they were from the 420 Buzz website uh, and some other content, but yeah, nothing in here is originally ours. Um, just letting you guys know. Okay, Dean, where do we, where do we, do you want to start here? You must yeah, just let me know so, when I pop onto the next uh, screen. Okay, yeah. So, I mean, the, the main difference between the two kinds of plants is uh, the genetic makeup. Like uh, the most photoperiodic seeds contain what was known as sort of sativa or indica bases uh, and would have been uh, sort of, uh, you know, originally found in areas where you have longer summers or, or long summers and, and, uh, where the, uh, where the light cycle would drastically, tra uh, drastically change, whereas an autoflower plant would have been, uh, uh, the original autoflower is a strain called Ruderalis. Uh, Ruderalis was a strain of cannabis that originated in places where there were incredibly short summers and a lot of the time the sun would never set during that period. So for that plant to survive, it was unable to rely on light cycle to go into, to complete its life cycle and it would have then just uh, relied on maturity or age. So basically the plant would flower out under a technically a 24 hour of, of sunlight. Ruderalis generally though has very, very low, it has an interesting uh, 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 plant structure, but it has very, very low uh, THC. So what the clever breeders have done is they have bred in uh, sort of more stable, uh, higher THC photoperiodic strains, and then they have bred the autoflowers so uh, <clears throat> so that they are giving sort of higher higher values of the autoflower trait. However, also the autoflower trait is uh, recessive. So if you take that line further without constantly looking for the autoflowering gene in it, you could actually breed out the autoflower trait from it. And uh, just a little sidebar here. Personally, I've seen sort of in batches of maybe there's like a one percent chance you're going to get a you're going to get an auto flower that doesn't auto. I've personally had them and I've also seen in, in a lot of the, a lot of the, the seeds that we've moved uh, over our time, you know, that it's uh, it, it does happen. And I think personally that comes from the, that specific trait being recessive. So photoperiodic relies on light cycle to go into flower, whereas auto flower relies on age and maturity and uh, it generally will go uh, into flower under a full light environment. So you could flower it in your veg tent. You could flower it out in the start of summer. You could flower it out in winter. And it's not really going to care about the, the light cycle. A photoperiodic planted in winter would probably go into, into early flower. It wouldn't rely on its maturity. 
Yeah. So like, it's the nice thing is you can sort of, uh, one, one bonus, like with the light cycle is you can have plants at different ages, stages, uh, you can plant at any point, uh, in your tent. Um, and you can have, it's, it's not really going to affect it besides like, it's going to be a little bit of an inconvenience. Uh, but whereas if you try to do that same thing with photo periods, it's not going to, it's not going to gel. Um, you're going to have to try to get all your plants at the same age for, for it to, you know, for you effectively to flower out at one point. Yeah. And also just before we move on to the next slide, you can also, the, the major difference between, for me personally, between autoflowers and photoperiodics is the size and the yield. I mean, you can clearly yeah. see in this, in this uh, description here that from the 420 uh, fast buds that the uh, photoperiodic plant is far larger. Um, it also grows in a different way. It would, it, without training, it would grow into this sort of Christmas tree style. Whereas an autoflower, a lot of the time will actually look like it's, it's had some kind of, uh, some kind of training uh, uh, done to it, you know? So it grows out lots more side branches and those side branches sometimes achieve the same height as the main, the main branch on an auto flower. Whereas with a photo periodic, you're getting this more Christmas tree style uh, plant a lot of the time. And that trait with the side branches that come out and uh, sort of matches, that's a trait that you see in the, in the ruderalis. So it, they have a very interesting formation however you know on average i've pulled between sort of 35 and at a maximum around sort of 80 grams per per auto flower consistently whereas on photoperiodics you can easily pull a you know a, a lot more so smaller yields however you can fly them out at any time uh they'll, they'll just do their thing you know you don't have to worry about light cycles and and all of that uh, are auto flowers more beginner friendly than photoperiodics uh, it seems to be the sort of the mentality with a lot of people because you see the word auto flower, but like uh, I personally uh, find photo periodics more beginner friendly to, to auto flowers. Auto flowers are quite finicky in week one to two of their, of their life cycle. Yeah. They, the, the photos seem to be a little bit, uh, a little bit stronger from time to time, but that's, that's just, I think that's just anecdotally. <laughs> All right. Uh, photoperiodics auto uh, topping, I think, is sort of, uh, I don't know if they, if that's the, what the image is trying to depict. So, yeah, topping. I wouldn't suggest topping a photo an auto flower unless you are limited on space. Like when I did the, uh, when I did that auto flower grow series in that 08 grow tent on its side, I could have potentially topped those because they, they did end up growing more vigorously than I, than I had expected. But sort of generally as a rule of thumb, you know, an auto flower is a, because it's on such a limited time and because it can get shocked and, and push it into early flower, you want to go for low stress methods on your auto flower. And then you want to go for either high stress or low stress on your photo periodics. So with an auto flower, generally, I would only suggest the utilization of low stress training. And I would also suggest the utilization of low stress training from very early on. Low stress training isn't a thing that you do at one point. And a lot of the time I see people try and low stress train sort of when the plant's just about to go into flower, you know, but a low stress train is something that you do day in and day out every single day, adjusting your ties or putting a new tie down. So as the plant grows, you it's actually growing into the low stress train while it's still malleable. So you're doing it consistently 
and uh, then you can get good results. And the more consistently you do it and the earlier you start, the less stress it's going to put on the plant, meaning you're going to get better results on the, on the, on the low stress train. So also stuff like topping, uh, I, you know, once again, it's not really recommended that you top your, your auto flower. Um, if it's a really, really vigorous one and you're running out of space, yes. If it's a, a more sort of a temperamental one and uh, you aren't sure, just stick with the, just stick with the low stress training. Uh, we must just remind Carl to kind of, yeah, Dino, chair squeaking. <laughs> Is it? <laughs> yeah. yeah uh, quite a bit. Uh, okay. Okay. Uh, okay. Um, yeah. What time? What what time point are we at? Uh, okay. Second slide. Maybe I'll maybe I'll find maybe. that. Okay. Chair squeak. Yeah. Remove. I'm in a message call. Remove chair squeak chat. Well, just just remove this chat, and then we can we can carry on. Okay. Okay. I don't think you'll be able to take it out. <laughs> okay. No. Yeah. I was like leaning a bit low. Yeah, it's okay, not squeaking cool. anymore. Okay. Right. Three, two, one. Okay, so uh, we can move on to uh, the next point. How do I get there? All right. Uh, cloning. Yeah, that's a big part of the difference between the autos and the photos. And guys, I just wanted to jump in with a mention. You guys can sign up to our mailer below in the description, and we're going to be releasing a bit of a grow guide soon. Uh, so yeah, but just drop your email, subscribe, and then you'll be notified as soon as that's ready. And then also you can see some cool specials and stuff that we have as part of like email only deals. Um, yeah. Uh, Dean, what about what's going on with the cloning, uh, cloning situation? So this is a two pronged thing because it's also, it's related to the breeding and the growing. Like when you are breeding uh, photo periods, you can keep your original mother plant alive and then you can use that to cross it back into your genetic line and stabilize it. And that's what a lot of breeders will do. But when you're breeding auto flowers, you are the plant grows, the plant flowers, the plant dies. You can never keep that plant going, uh, you know, according by manipulating the light cycle. So I, once again, this is a personal, um, uh, this is personal, but I would personally say that the autoflowers are harder to breed than the photoperiodics because you can't keep a, you can't keep a, a plant alive. And if you maybe fuck something up along the line, you can't go and then come back and restart again. You are breeding along a line. It's a limited time. You've got three months, then it's done. And then you're on your next breeding set. So you the plant grows, it flowers out and it, it dies off essentially. So like it says here, one seed per plant. And it's the same when you're growing, you know, you'll plant an auto flower seed, you'll grow it out. It may be absolutely amazing. And then you'll get those seeds again and you'll get a different expression, you know? So you're never going to be able to hold on to an expression that you find. Whereas with a photoperiodic seed, because it relies on light cycle, technically, if you were to plant a seed, and to keep that under an 18.6 vegetative light cycle, you could take millions of clones from it uh, over, over the years, and you could grow millions of plants from one single seed. So, mm. you know, it, it, it's quite interesting. So once again, you know, it, it pushes towards, I think on a sort of scalability and an, on a perpetual cycle, the photoperiodics make sense. But then you could also plant, you could also offset your autoflower planting dates from each other and sort of plant an autoflower once every three weeks. And then after, you know, 12 weeks, you would start to see harvests. And then your earlier 
your earlier, uh, uh, the plants which are younger will then sort of fill into the space. So like the, the way you would run a perpetual cycle on both of them is different, but uh, you know, you are going to only, if you get an amazing expression, it's quite sad because you will never get that. You, well, you might get it again, you know, something similar, but you'll never mm. get that exact same expression again. And you can't keep that plant alive, meaning it does affect the way you grow and it does affect the way that autoflowers are bred as well. Yeah, it's a nice, I mean, it's a nice concept. I like, I really tried to go for the perpetual uh, on the autos, but it doesn't mean, it doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, you can have, uh, you know, multiple plants in one size tent. Uh, you kind of actually, you still need a lot of space because like, that's your thing. You're like, oh, if I want to do, you know, a perpetual on the photos, I want to need, you know, three, four tents, you know, like a big space and like to almost have consistent, uh, like harvest almost month, month. Um, but the same with the autos, you like, you need loads of space to get around. Cause you know, you're trimming plants at different phases. You do, you know, each plant's in its different cycle. You're doing training at different phases. So it's, we can't really have a, a clear winner on either of those. Uh, but yeah, cloning is a, a massive advantage. Now let's have a look at the, uh, light cycle. I mean, we have mentioned it, but what's the, what's the brief here? Yeah, so I mean, you can see now on uh, the way that they, it's basically as I've just mentioned. So mm. this would be considered a perpetual harvest uh, in a uh, in a photoperiodic. You would need two smaller spaces, one where you'd keep it an 18-6 vegetative cycle, and then one where the light would be 12 on, 12 off, and that would be your flowering room, and your vegetative room would feed into your flowering room. Whereas mm. with an autoflower, Technically, you could just do it all in one slightly larger space, as Andy just mentioned here. So you can see the seedling phase, the veg phase, the early flower and the late flower all in one space. Now, personally, I wouldn't do that because you want to have your a higher humidity during your vegetative cycle and a lower humidity during your flowering cycle. But if you're limited on space and you never want to run out of weed and you're willing to pay the attention to detail, you know, it is possible to be able to do that. So the auto flowers give you, they simplify the light control aspect by not having to adjust anything. But like, also I personally feel with the timer, you know, you can really, it's not that complicated to control, to control light cycle. So it's, it's once again, you know, up to preference, but it does kind of depict uh, the differentiation in the way that you would handle the two different uh, the two different plants. And once again, in this example here, you can see that the autoflowers came out far smaller than the the photoperiodics. And nine times out of ten, for me personally, that's been that's been the case. It's, uh, I mean, you're, you're like I really want to emphasize the attention to detail because if you are going to go for like one tent and all the plants you know, you really have to like each plant, you know, each plant's on a different, on a different, uh, you have, you know, it's difficult to track a feeding schedule unless you sort of label each plant. And then you have this one's this age, this one's this age, this one's this many weeks. And then you have a seed that doesn't take. So now you there's a three week, three to six week gap. And then, so it's kind of also, uh, it's not like you can hold a pattern. Each plant sort of has to have its own label. Um, yeah, there's complexities. Automated watering doesn't work so lekker because you have your big plants that are absolutely chomping water and your smaller seedlings are getting annihilated by the by the overdose. Uh, yeah, and your, your big plants might be on flowering nutrients, whereas your small plants would be mm. on, on vegetative nutrients. So you can't run it off the same automatic watering system if you if you were. 
you know, mm. if you're doing something like a, a, a pump into a reservoir. Mm-hmm. So like there are complex, there are complexities, but if we're doing four plants and each of them was three weeks apart and you were really paying attention to detail, mm-hmm. it would be possible. But once again, you know, it's, it's I think it's up to person. It's up to personal. I was thinking, well, there may be like pest control as well. If you're doing any sort of uh, topical sprays or anything like that, it's in, you know, you've got some plants in flower and some plants, you know, in veg, it's also going to have a, uh, throw some complexities that way. It does, you know, like it, yeah, complicates because, you know, we, we obviously try target a, a, a home grower, um, but we also want to, you know, help people with efficiency and like getting the maximum yield at the end of the day. And I think clubs or clubs go for sort of the, the standard model. Um, it's hard to pull off the, the perpetual auto. Uh, okay. Mm, here's just a graphical example. Anything you want to point out? Yeah. So once again, like if you have a look at the, uh, plant on the right, that's our photo periodic and our plant on the left is our auto flower. The auto flower, you can see if you look at the, uh, the, the, the main cola is still above the rest, but if you look at the uniformity of the buds on the left-hand side, you can see how all of the stems grew out in sort of an LST-styled fashion. And like, you know, you could achieve that with the plant on the right, but I would imagine that this was achieved relatively easily without very much training at all. You know, so the formation of the plant is sort of a nice uniform formation with a lot of side branches coming out. Whereas on the photoperiodic, you can see the main stem has still pushed the most. And that main stem has then pushed out less uniform kind of uh, uh, flowers as the plant has been growing, you know, so you get a you get a slightly different formation. And then also, uh, I'm not sure if this one on the right is in the ground. It might be so that like it might not be the best example, but the, the size once again is is, is different. Um, but for me, the main thing is sort of the way the, the way that the plant has, has grown, you know, you always see these strong side branches in a uniform fashion coming out of an auto flower. And you will always without training sort of see the more Christmas tree styled photo periodic, uh, and uh, nine times out of 10, your photo is going to be far larger than your, than your auto flower. Uh, last topic that we want to that we want to just go over with you guys is a little bit on the facility side. Um, there's a random facility here, but uh, I mean, Dean, you want to walk us through what the what our bigger growers and facilities are sort of thinking about in terms of uh, genetics. So, the bigger when you're running a business on cannabis, you know, you're wanting to make sure that you are getting good results. Now, if you've got a board of investors and that board of investors is putting money into your facility and you're spending multi-million rand, you're going to want something that is tested and that is able to give you your grams per your kilos per square meter or or however they are going to. However, they're going to give the KPI because you're dealing with investment now and you're dealing with a business and cash flow, you know. So if you're looking at all of those things, it's just far too high risk to go and then plant autoflowers and have, you know, what's how many plants do we see in front of us here? Hundreds and have hundreds of different (laughs) results, you know. So when you're dealing on a facility level, you're wanting uniformity and everything to sort of conform to the same kind of nutrient feeding, the same kind of, uh, you know, be as pest resistant as each other. So when you're moving to this level, 
Autoflower doesn't really seem like a viable option. I would imagine that they maybe have, you know, this is potentially a mother, um, a single mother monocrop where you know exactly what that mother is going to give out. You have a complete genetic copy within each single plant. And then with that being said, you get a complete uniform yield across the, across the whole space. You're getting the same pest resistance. You're getting the same uh, uh, uptake to nutrients. You're getting, you have the data to know, okay, cool. At week three, my plant is going to start to stack. So I need to put my second strong net in then, you know? So well, when you hit the facility level, you're wanting to have something that you know is going to be uh, the same across your whole grow space. And then you would obviously look to a photoperiodic or a tested photoperiodic uh, mother, and then you'd work from clone. So yeah. on, on this kind of level, autoflower doesn't really doesn't really make sense and that's why i personally feel autoflowers are more viable for a home grower or a hobbyist uh, uh they get good searchability on the internet you know they seem popular but when you go to the commercial level then you start to look at the mm. photoperiodics as the only option and that goes back to our conversation about the clones and you know the 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 uh, able the, the ability for continuity with your yeah. with your plants and then also you know you you'll probably run that genetic multiple times in your space to get more and more more data and if you're in south africa it would need to be traceable and uh, something of high quality you know so then you're going to invest money into something that you know is going to give you the results that you that you need i i have heard that um auto flowers can be used in like a, a licensed setting but i, I I believe it's only purely just as like a cash flow advantage um, for getting off the ground because you know if you can get an auto, you can sort of have a yield within a, within a couple of months. Sure, it's a lesser yield, but I think it, it's sort of if you're really cash strapped, there is a few strategies that have been adopted for just getting a yield up. But that's that's obviously dependent on what license you've got, and it's not uh, they're not expecting a specific. Uh, specific qualities in it, you know, because you, you, then you're not building reliance. And some breeders like uh, Colin uh, from Ethos, his whole mindset is, you know, a seed should be stable. So that seed should be able to be planted at mass and then you should be able to get a consistent result. So breeders like Colin say that I've seen some text uh, on the internet related to him saying that, you know, it would be an option, but you have to then be incredibly confident that the batch of seed you've got is stable you know if yeah. you go and purchase uh uh white labeled uh auto flowers and then you plant them across the board and then you get completely different results that's going to be you know that happened because you you the, the seeds weren't 100 percent fully stable you know so some breeders believe it is possible but i from what i have seen the trend is far the trend is far more towards the Photoperiodic yeah. styled perpetual grow of mothering, cloning, vegging, and then flowering out from that same mother stock. Yeah, I mean, like ninety percent of the guys that we provide uh, of the licensed facilities that we provide seeds for, they all going for photo. Uh, probably even 95 percent are all going for photo periods. Um, it's easier. It's yeah, and. That's the thing. I think for them, the data is the most important uh, set of even even the clubs. They all come to us for uh, the photos. Um, all right, guys. Uh, that's 
pretty much uh, photo periodics versus autoflowers in a nutshell. Hopefully you guys learned something and can uh, guide you through your decision. Uh, for those uh, guys that are new to growing, uh, this should have helped a lot. And for those that are regulars on the channel, uh, hopefully we didn't overlap on some stuff, but we thought we'd bring you some fresh content uh, on this topic because it's been a while since we've touched on it and we still have to help put out as much education and some of our older videos tend to just uh uh they need they need reviving from now and again um please make sure to subscribe and like it does help this channel grow because we very uh, obviously demonetized and we're hidden behind an age restriction so you guys that are watching this are are our um only audience on youtube uh we don't get shown to to most of youtube so yeah the support really goes a long way and uh, make sure again to sign up to that email list that also will give you access to be able to look at our uh, grow guide or purchase the grow guide when it comes out. And that will be probably in the next month or so. So till next week, peace guys. Peace guys.